In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. There are many things that all of us, who are humans, would be said to share in. Our method and rate of growth from infant to adulthood. Our need for food, water, and oxygen. The desire to seek happiness and have feelings of satisfaction. These are all good and worthy things, and there is nothing wrong with any of them. But there are also some things that we share in that are not so wholesome, not altogether good for us. And sometimes it revolves around those things that are indeed good themselves, but are taken and perverted into something that no longer reflects upon its goodness. Let's use an example that most of us have probably fallen into from time to time. And it is rather innocent, and it is also something that many of us are aware of and perhaps even joke about to a degree, or at least I do, to somewhat shame myself into action. Let's talk about eating for a few minutes. We require food in order to continue to survive here on this earth. Now, in many places around the globe, finding food is not a problem. In others, finding healthy and good food is an issue. And in others still, like war-torn countries or areas affected by enduring drought and famine, food is scarce if it even exists at all. But here in the United States, unless someone is in a state of complete and abject poverty, then food is generally ready to be had. We are also fortunate enough to have a variety of foods that can fit and please many different palates, from different meats to a plethora of seafood offerings, fruits and vegetables that we even import from tropical regions, nuts, berries, locally grown honey, artisans' breads, fine wines, and juices from fruits I'm not certain how to pronounce. And yes, we should enjoy and eat and give thanks to Almighty God for that food. But what do we do when we have eaten our fill? Some of us are very disciplined about what we eat, and we measure our portions, order modest meals. We tell ourselves to only take one chocolate, and we're finished. Some of us wait and even fast until they get to the next meal. Others of us, like me, we're grazers. We eat all the time. We order three enchiladas when two would do. We take a second helping of cake. We need one or two more Dr. Peppers to feel satisfied, to end our cravings. And we pay for it. Our weight causes our doctors to cast scant eyes at us. We marvel at our reflection in the mirror because of how out of shape we are. Our blood pressure and heart 
doesn't like some of the foods we eat, but still we give in to the pressure of a few more chips with hot sauce or another large chicken fried steak that no human on earth could possibly eat. We yield to temptation. And yes, gluttony is indeed a sin, but more on that later. We give in to a weakness that is sometimes created by our own insatiable appetites. But those appetites are not just about food. Those appetites can be anything and everything. And the temptations, when we let them get the best of us, can lead us into sin. Maybe not right away, but certainly sin in the future if we leave them unchecked. We say things like, the devil made me do it. The problem is, it is not the devil sometimes as much as our own unchecked desires. What then are we to do? Do we quit eating because we might fall into temptation for one more cookie? Of course not. That would lead to another problem, that of starving your body, which God fashioned and need sustenance? Do we give in to our cravings and the demands of our souls? Well, no, not that either. That would admit, admit defeat. And remember that Christ has already won the victory of sin and death for us. So then, what are we to do? First, we must take comfort in the fact that each of the Gospels has a moment or two that Jesus encounters the devil or Satan directly, like this morning's passage. Or, Jesus has to rebuke those who would tempt him not to carry out the will of God the Father. Jesus understands how hard and pressing the temptations we share in our lives can be. Jesus understands the desires each of us has to do those things that ultimately lead us to some sin, to some destruction of our true nature. And he guides us and is with us and even sends his angels over us to give us the strength we need to overcome these problems. But what do we do if we can't recognize the problem? How do we know if we are being tempted by things that are not wholesome or that do indeed lead to sin? When will we know when we have gone too far down the path and there is no return? The honest answer is this. You will know eventually. And you will know when it, is, when it is hard. When you try to resist it. And you will also know when you finally give in. And you feel both satisfied and also a little less whole. 
or a little less clean or a little less well. I don't know how you feel, but I can tell you that is how I always feel when I give in to those things that I know I shouldn't. We began our Lenten journey a few days ago, and many of us probably began a fast of some sort. I know I did, and I would encourage all of you to do the same. It's not too late to start your Lenten fast. Fasting is not about being self-righteous or even somewhat holier than that. Fasting is about putting to bed some of those temptations that besiege us. It is about saying no to something that perhaps has been troubling us. Many people give up food or alcohol or perhaps television. Some give up Facebook or something like coffee. Many give up chocolates and desserts and cheeses. But the whole point is they give those things up to get themselves more attuned to hear God's call. My suggestion would be that we give up those things that we know, or at least perhaps we think, might be standing in the way of our relationship with God. One thing that is helpful for many people I know is whenever they are craving that cup of coffee or that piece of cheese or desire to watch that program on television, they use those few minutes to enter into a short time of prayer. Many pray for the grace to overcome the temptation to break the fast. Others give thanks for God's love and faithfulness. Others still pray that they may learn how to use whatever they are fasting from in its right order for the glory of God. Now, back to gluttony for just a bit. I use that example today because it is an easy one to parse out. Gluttony is about our appetites, and we all have our own appetites. But is it only about food? In reality, no, it isn't. Gluttony can be many things. Yes, there is the overindulgence of food, but what about alcohol? Is it drinking to excess? For my money, yes, it is. But what about the standards of food and drink that we require? I'm not talking about food that's clean or not. What I'm talking about is dining only on rich food or only eating at five-star restaurants and not appreciating simple fares of food prepared out of love. Can gluttony lead to other things like the overindulgence of television, or gambling to the peril of your bank account. Perhaps gluttony can manifest itself in smoking too much, especially when your doctor tells you to quit. 
Maybe even gluttony can take on the form of attempting to prohibit the good and natural use of something to everyone else because you don't have the self-restraint to refrain from eating or drinking or overindulging in whatever it is. You see how quickly we slide down the slopes of temptation. There are other temptations and sins that we fall into. Typically, we call these the seven deadly sins. Pride, wrath, lust, envy, covetousness, sloth, and our friend gluttony. You see, each of these we call deadly because over time they erode ourselves. They can erode our bodies and they most certainly will erode our souls. Most sins that we can name fall into one of these seven categories, especially if we ponder and pray on our own actions that we do from day to day. I know I have my own battle with each of these, sometimes seasonally, more often daily, and sometimes it seems to me even hourly. During this Lent, take the time to truly examine your life. A few minutes a day is all that is required. Where are you doing well? But also, where are you doing badly? Is it your anger? Are you short-tempered? What about your work or your job? Are you giving it your best effort? Or are you being lazy about it? What about your diet? Are you eating things to excess and thereby not able to perform your daily tasks as well? What about your private time and the moments when you are alone? Does your mind drift to things that we all know are but the first steps to something more sinister? Temptations come. They will come. Perhaps even during this service, you have already had a few. Temptations are part of our human condition. Temptations are not evil themselves, but it is what they can lead to that are. Take great comfort in knowing that our blessed Lord had his share of them as well while here on earth. Take great comfort in knowing that Jesus overcame them and gives us the same gifts to overcome them. Take great comfort in knowing that God is always willing to forgive our failings, to forgive our stumblings. But be warned, temptations that we do not actively fight against, that we do not actively resist and do battle with are sometimes the beginnings of our greatest failures. 
our greatest falls. But even then, when we truly repent, God is faithful and just to forgive us. Some words from St. Peter. Be sober. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith. Some words from today's collect. Make speed to help thy servants who are assaulted by manifold temptations, and let each one find thee mighty to save. A Lenten prayer of St. Ephraim the Syrian. O Lord and Master of my life, keep from me the spirit of indifference and discouragement, lust of power and idle chatter. Instead, grant to me, your servant, the spirit of wholeness of being, humble-mindedness, patience, and love. O Lord and King, grant me the grace to be aware of my sins and not to judge my brothers. For you are blessed now and ever and forever. Amen.